Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here. Before uh, we get started on this week's episode of Pod Yourself the Wire, I just have a quick little announcement for those of you in Los Angeles. March 16th, that's a week from today, uh, if you are listening to this today, uh, March 16th, 2023, at 8 p.m., there's going to be a stand-up comedy show that I produce along with some other comedians uh, over at the Silver Lake Independent JCC. Uh, it's a show called Michigas. Basically, it is a crowd work show. The stand-up comedians go on stage, and we talk to the audience about whatever their problems are, and we try to work through those problems with them in a funny way. It's a lot of fun. Uh, people often come to the show and talk about their shitty roommates or they talk about, you know, some guy they like or some girl they like. And then the comedian go, is on stage and uh, kind of riffing with them. Super fun show. I would love for anyone in Los Angeles to come to this show. We do it every month over at the Silver Lake Independent JCC. So if you would like to go to this stand-up comedy show March 16th, at 8 p.m., please go to sijcc.net and buy your tickets now. You can see it in the calendar. Uh, just click calendar and you'll find it there. Once again, that's sijcc.net. Also, we'll put a link to get your tickets uh, in the show notes uh, in the description of this episode. Buy tickets to Michigas on March 16th at 8 p.m. Going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you out there, Los Angeles. Podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk, talk about, about it. it. Thank you once again for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. Don't go searching for any others because they don't exist. They are lies. Uh... Just real quick, uh, obviously, five stars in review. You know the drill. Um, but also, did you know that there are two Pod Yourself subreddits? Uh, what? There's a Yeah. Uh, our, one uh, for the big, gun and one for the wire? One for the wire and one for the gun. So uh, please subscribe to Pod Yourself a Gun uh, or Pod Yourself uh, the Wire on on Reddit. It's a it's a subreddit, which uh, Reddit is a website in which uh, if, I think it's uh, I think it's whites only. Um, as there's far as I like can a, tell, there's not like a Dom Reddit that we could be on. Uh, uh, what's a Dom Reddit? Like a oh, I get it. So yeah, you got Dom it. You got it. It's good. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I was I was doing a great whites only joke about the fact that Sorry, no, it was a very important <laughs> that, interruption. That Reddit <laughs> is a very white place. Uh, but no, there's uh, it's everyone's invited, of course. Uh, it is uh, our fan Tanglefish. Oh, sorry, Tanglefisk uh, set it up, and I wanted to shout him out because you know what. Thank you for creating those subreddits for us. So yeah, join our pod yourself a gun or our pod yourself the wire. Um, yeah, so do that. Thank you. All right. Today, 
Vince and I are going to be talking about from season two of The Wire, episode nine, Stray Rounds. And our guest today, uh, you know him from his wonderful podcast, The Dopey Podcast. Uh, and you've heard him right now here on Pod Yourself The Wire. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Dave Mannheim. Thank you, Matt. I'm What's honored up? to be here. I'm honored I'm, to be here. I'm stoked that you're here, man. I, I am. Uh, li- I'll tell you. I know of your podcast because I heard it on NPR. I heard on on This American Life. What? And I'll, yeah, yeah. He it was uh, it was an episode. It was about recovery. So it is a recovery based podcast, right? In some sense. Well, the idea is it's on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. But yeah. addiction and dumb shit both have recovery in them. So yes, there's That's a little true. recovery in it. Yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you are a sober person. I am a sober person. A hundred percent. Hell yeah. Samesies. Samesies. Nice. Fuck yeah. So I I have I'm to not, imagine. But I respect that about you both. I don't Thank believe you. you. Thank you. Vince. He's lying. He doesn't respect it. I do. He doesn't respect Vince, shit. I think it. Do, do, Vince, do you respect it or do you not respect it? No, I do respect it. I don't even. I've never even met Drug Matt, so I can. I have no <laughs> choice but to respect it. You wouldn't have liked Drug Matt. You think you would have because uh, I've never you seen know. that. No, yeah, I guess you. No, you would never. You would have hated me. Uh, <laughs> I. I would have ye- yelled at you. Yeah, Matt, did you get high watching The Wire originally? I did. I did. I did. It was actually, I was very high and I, uh, it was like, I was right in the middle of like, uh, this was like, I was bottoming out this. It was, I think it was a rewatch when I started bottoming out. This is like the second time I watched the wire. I was close to the end and I was so high that I was like, maybe I should be a cop (laughs) because, because I was like, it seems like (laughs) cops have like, uh, like access to a lot of drugs, you know? What were you using when you watched The Wire? I was a, an opiate addict. So I was, uh, at the time, it was like heroin, but then it, it was also Dilaudid. I started getting really into Dilaudid around then. So I really related to uh, Bubbles nodding out. I was like, yeah, I, I, I do that. It was pretty I, sick. I, I totally I When I found The Wire, I was deep on heroin in Los Angeles. And nice. I couldn't imagine a more perfect show to watch. And I would watch The Wire deep on heroin. I would watch The Wire kicking heroin. I would watch The Wire relapsing on heroin. Nice. And then I watched it again, sober, euphoric recalling watching The Wire <laughs> high on heroin. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, It is kind of nice to like rewatch and be like, oh, yeah, I, why do I feel high, high. in this <laughs> yeah, moment? This somehow, this somehow makes me feel high for some I re- reason. When I'm I remember early in recovery when I would watch it, uh, like, cause I, I, I rewatch this show a lot. Uh, and I remember early in recovery at one point I had to s- stop watching it because it's one of the few shows that does a really accurate depiction of people being high. Like, yes. uh, like the scenes with like bubbles and Johnny weeks, like just getting high and having these like slow inane conversations about what they're going to do. Um, that it's too, it was too real. It was almost like triggering. So I was just like, this is probably not good. I should probably not, not do this. Um, but you know, I, uh, I still watched it and you know what? 13 years sober still. So take that bubbles. 
You need take that bubbles and Johnny. We need applause yeah. on your soundboard. You got a soundboard and you don't even yeah. have like the most obvious. Necessary. How's that? Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Do you hear that? No, play it again. No, I, we, we can't hear it. You don't hear it? No. That's so I'm... fucking annoying. <laughs> fucking roadcaster is so fucking annoying, right? It's yeah. so beautiful and yet so ugly at the same time. I, yeah, I have uh, the the Podtrack P8. Uh, it's it's like ah. the road, it's like the roadcaster, uh, but it it is also this big uh, annoying machine that is not really a mixer. Uh, it just looks like one. But uh, okay, the wire. So uh, you like the wire? Is that right? I I love the wire. Sick. All right. I felt like a leading question. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, I usually just ask, "Do you like the wire?" But yeah. this time, I wanted to lead, just in case you were like, "No, I hate it." I came on here to tell you guys to stop, <laughs> which is could be possible. So, do you have like a, a a favorite season of the wire? Well, I mean, I'm I just have a favorite, a, an unfavorite season, which Ooh. is season five. I hate oh. season five. The Wire would be a perfect show. It would be the greatest show, bar none, if season five didn't exist. Yet they made season five, making it not a perfect show, making mm. it a toss-up for what the greatest show ever made was. And I don't have the answer because of season five. Lots of people, though. Like, mm. I talk about The Wire on Dopey all the time. Yeah. And lots of people fucking hate season two. Yes. But I love, yep. I love season two. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. season two and season five. Yeah. You like season. How can you like season five? <laughs> it's great. It's great. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, I love How, it. McNulty, they, he would never do that. I McNulty mean, McNulty would never do that in a million years. I don't like it for McNulty. I mean, McNulty was spiraling. I don't know. I liked it. I liked all the, the journalism stuff. I love, I oh. love, I love the uh, plagiarizing <laughs> journalism guy and uh, the Dickensian aspect. I love that. I, think, I like the Dickensian aspect, but McNulty would never set up dead bodies. He would never set, make create a, a serial killer. He would never do that. If he's drunk enough, Dave, you don't know what he would do. He's capable of some madness. Let's let's be real about who Jimmy McNulty is, other than being just like a drunken Irish fuckboy scoundrel. Um, he's also like a deeply, deeply disturbed half sociopath in that like the way he treats people like whenever someone is uh so quick to discard other people's like views or feelings about things i'm always like there's a little bit of sociopathy in you just like a little bit and he's also someone who is so obsessed with being smarter than everybody that i could totally yeah. see him just creating a serial killer just so that he could do what he ends up doing in the fifth season which is uh uh well we'll get into that in the fifth season but he you know he he's got a plan and it's a it's a fucked up one and it's a plan made out of uh pure spite i'm gonna say this really quickly okay and, and like i appreciate what you just said especially your use of the word sociopathy and mm -hmm. i appreciate vince's use of the word dickensian and i, I appreciate all this stuff it's just this. It's like we all have a barometer in ourselves, right? Mm. And I was in the wire. Like I said to Matt before we started recording, I literally take vacations to Baltimore in the 90s, you know, mentally all the time because I live there in my head watching it. <laughs> yeah. and, and season five, it just rang 
untrue where, and I spent so many hours in seasons one through four over and over and over that I can't even watch season five through. I think I've, I've watched seasons one through four, 15, 17 times. I think I've watched season five twice. Mm. Well, my least favorite season is season four. Really? Yeah, because they're like, uh, you know, what are these the kids. kids doing here? The kids. You know? uh, See, I'm I should, Michael, totally though. kidding. I should <laughs> hate that okay. season because, like, I am on the record as like hating True. child actors and saying that yeah. they should be banned as an as a concept. Um, but uh, the Wire found like the rare child actors who aren't just super annoying probably because they didn't come through the disney annoying child making machine yeah they hadn't been molested yet yeah so it's yeah. like i think i think it matters Horrible. a lot where where you get your child actors from if you get mm-hmm. them from the disney machine yeah they come they're gonna... molested. <laughs> Sorry. wow i love i love season four and i love and season three is like the greatest open air market but season two, I love. I love Frank Sabatka. Mm. I love that character. I love Nikki Sabatka, and I love Ziggy. Mm. You know, I also love the introduction of Brother Musain, which, oh. uh, Musone, which happens in this episode. That's you know? right. Uh, and I love the Brother Musone Omar situation. And oh, I told yeah. you also this. I'm so upset that I picked episode nine because <laughs> I could have picked the Brother Musone Omar. Yeah confrontation that was a big mistake brother muzon is my uh mcnulty becoming a serial killer because like to me he's like a fargo villain that escaped into the wire like you know that show fargo always has like these corny ass like michael bay villains like the two twins who never talk that's the way i feel about brother muzon like oh oh he get it he's like really he's like really buttoned up he's like a brother uh, a nation of islam guy but also he kills people and you're like okay he's a killer this feels like a very uh a tv writer wrote this it does it is there is part of me that goes like i can suspend disbelief for one omar you know what i mean like like omar is a guy who can walk around in public and just like you know even though he's the guy who's robbing everyone people are just too afraid to even he can whistle his own theme song and uh and talk (laughs) in catchphrases it's cool when omar does it like uh, no doubt Right, but then another guy well, shows up who's like, "That guy's impossible to kill," and it's like, "What? That can't be too." <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but Brother Muzone lives in New York, and Omar True. lives in Baltimore, and I love Brother Muzone's little sidekick, Lamar. Yeah. Is that his name? I yeah. love that, Lamar. Where's my Atlantic Weekly? <laughs> yeah, Lamar, like, where's, where's my, my Harper's uh, Bazaar? <laughs> yeah, where's my Harper's Bazaar? And 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 Lamar is like his his valet, like the old Morris Day in the time with Jerome. Like Lamar yeah. is his little guy. I and I love that. And I love how Lamar's disgusted at Omar's homosexuality. But Brother Muzone is okay with it, even though he's a Nation of Islam member. Yeah. He's you know, there's uh there's a lot going on with the um stick up boy hitman uh scene on the East Coast. A lot of characters, sure. mm-hmm. a lot yeah, of crazy get, guys. Yeah, they get a little, little I appreciate though, Vince. Vince, I appreciate what you're saying. I never even considered hating on brother Muson, but yeah. i think he i was one over high on heroin so i just went with it <laughs> yeah and now that i'm thinking about it you might be right with this but. i think part of it is that is the the act that actor he's doing a sort of one note thing with uh brother Muzone. like he's doing like sure i'm keeping my face in a very uh like affected neutral position this whole time mm. i don't know whereas yeah. like I, I can buy omar just because michael k williams is so damn good the whole time well, 
we can get into all of that in the future of this very podcast but of course we cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song when you pod the garden you got a pod well i beg your pod walk the straight podcast He's gonna save the docks. You gotta keep the Polish pod down in the hole. Season two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today. Once again, we're talking about from season two of The Wire, episode nine, Stray Rounds, which premiered August 3rd, 2003. I forgot to write a synopsis. Uh, Vince, off <laughs> the top of your head. about that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> off the top of your head, what, uh, say a synopsis for this episode. Ziggy gets in too deep with a duck problems while boys fight over the corner and a young boy brings heat onto the street wow that was terrible that was actually it was pretty te- good it was pretty terrible but I, was, I, I appreciate that you in too deep in a duck problem is mm-hmm. uh i was trying to go for a pun there and it didn't it didn't come off but we can workshop oh, it. oh was there a pun attempt <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so i guess it, for you it didn't work for me it just seemed correct mm. uh here do but, you want to hear the the, the imdb synopsis real quick please 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 read it can you do it real quick is it possible okay definitely ziggy pulls johnny 50 into a new caper that makes the greeks pay big money mcnulty goes undercover in a brothel as valchek fumes over the change of targets and burrell pulls the rug from beneath him daniels and perlman maintain their composure wow wow they actually usually they're like an entire paragraph long and I, so eventually we just had to write our own because i was like this is uh this is not I possible mean, they, they, uh, like two characters uh, maintaining their composure is not necessarily a line that i would have put in the, th- the synopsis <laughs> yeah they could have lost their <laughs> composure line yeah 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 uh, yeah i do like the shout out to johnny 50 uh in in there because uh he's a character that not everyone necessarily knows the name of yeah and uh i think he's a great guy Mm. and he also shows up in season five but we'll talk about that homeless yeah homeless um hold up i want to say one thing before you say anything else please is that your 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 theme song is super solid that's a super solid theme song thank you thank you that is i really uh, i really i really like it I was, it was re- written and recorded by me. That's me doing the whole thing. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and then some guy sang pod and, and Polish. Uh, but uh, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? That's right, Matt. Uh, as we mm. always say, you, we cannot evaluate any piece of art uh, divorced from its cultural context. we got to put we some do. of that context back in. And we do that with a little thing that we like to call the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. All right. That's right. We're going, I, I got all my stories from the New York Post this week. We're going all oh, the way wonderful. back to August 3rd, 2003. Uh, a lot of things going on uh, as as written about by the Post, uh, America's id. Um <laughs> First, especially first in 2003 post, it is America's the id like a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, headline: I'm still here. Roseanne jumps on the reality bandwagon. Can it take the weight? 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. There's a subtle wow. joke they Shots did there. fired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was only a matter of time until reality TV crossed paths with Roseanne, or vice versa. The result is The Real Roseanne Show, in which the former sitcom star, talk show host, and self-proclaimed domestic goddess is followed around by camera crews as she develops, pitches, and then produces her own TV cooking show called, you guessed it, Domestic Goddess. You know, it's crazy. It's This is 2003. So Roseanne has been screaming, I'm still here for 20 years, yeah. <laughs> at least. Well, she goes, she, 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 you know how Oprah gets like thin and fat again? Like Roseanne does that, sure. but like with getting canceled. Like she gets canceled and then she's back again. And then and she's, then she's back again. and then she's canceled yeah. and she's back. Yeah. It's it's uh, she's resilient. Yeah. She is. Yeah. You know, come what may, she will still be here to accidentally call someone a slur she didn't know was a slur. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, this is this is how the Post chose to uh, report on the deaths of uh, Uday and Kuse Hussein, which happened this week in uh-huh. 2003. Butcher's bad boys buried as another GI is slain. <laughs> They love alliteration. Yeah. There's just something about that. They're just like, all right, how are we doing? Uh, butcher, butcher, bad boy, Barry. <laughs> it's it's, the alliteration has got to be like the most dumb guy, like poetic thing you can mm-hmm. do where it's just like, it's like, hey, just don't talk for about dumpy. Sean Penn like that, please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you've ever read sean penn's novel there's a yes. lot of alliteration going he loves on. alliteration he and you know who doesn't uh, but alliteration is one of those sparkly things about the post box office bafo back mm-hmm. or whatever yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. old newspaper thing i i i don't hate it keep going i'm sorry i don't hate it either it's, you know and as uh you know i've never written like a lot of super dry uh, journalism, but uh, it is one of those things that journalists can do to like keep themselves entertained while writing yeah. like, really boring shit Keep you from killing yourself is probably like half the job of alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of uh, creative headlines, audiences no dot go to J dot low stinker. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the critics have been holding their noses and running for cover from Gili, the new Jennifer Lopez Ben Affleck vehicle, and it looks like audiences are hearing their pain. On Friday, when it was unleashed, the overhyped flop ranked just seventh in attendance, according to unofficial preliminary estimates by Box Office Mojo. The super stinker fell behind movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which has been out almost a month, and Bad Boys 2, released two weeks ago. That's crazy. I thought Gigli was like a 1998 movie. <laughs> no. It was 2003. It might as well. It's the same thing, though. 98 yeah, to yeah. 2003 were, were very similar. Times. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But that is fucking that's crazy. So this is I mean, this is a historical event. The yeah. the you know the Geely coming out and bombing and everyone just like oh god, Duncan. everyone was just they, they were drooling. Their their mouths were just open. Just yes, we will destroy them. It was great. <laughs> we were all mad at both of them. We I don't even know why I was mad. I was just but like, look, yeah, but love, fuck you. But lo- love found a way 20, 20 years later. I know. That's the most beautiful piece of the of the, of the the headline. Mike Mann cannot resist Matt. a famous person named Jennifer. It's just like he can't. He goes <laughs> away and he comes back. <laughs> yeah. God bless I think Geely 2 is about to come out. Oh. And maybe that'll be the end of their marriage. That would be incredible. Dude. Is it Dude, called, I w- is it called Geely's? <laughs> 
Yeah, Geely's with that, the the S in parentheses like aliens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, stupid. Sorry, I was just saying Jennifer Garner on uh, Party Down. Uh, she's looking very cute. I gotta say. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, Sick. And finally, uh, I, I finished this one up with uh, another banger from our old friend Linda Stasi because uh, she just has like a singular style that I've come to know and love since I've been uh, doing the uh, Back in the Day Machine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every, every when she writes a truly unhinged column about God knows what, like, I feel like I just have to include it. Um, this one last, I think last week we had a Stasi piece about, uh, George W. Bush watching elephants fuck. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, this one, this one is entitled Pentagon dumb. You can bet on it. I swear <laughs> I will never say never again. And I'll give you 50 to one that I keep my word. Two years ago, I said that the Pentagon would never be able to top the idiocy of their contest to get us regular people to submit ideas for developing countermeasures to weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) It is pretty wild that they did that, let's be honest. Yeah, that is crazy. (laughs) Immediately realizing how scary it was that they didn't know how to stop a nuke or a germ, I submitted the surefire winning answer. Send in 100 women with PMS to harangue terrorists to death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is so the post two thousand. <laughs> Those are jokes you can do in two thousand. <laughs> yeah, get a bunch of uh, bleeding women and nag them to death. That'll do it. <laughs> and the, the Taliban will just go, "Oh my ears!" And that blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the rest of the piece is about uh, them hiring John Poindexter, uh, who is apparently. Involved in Iran Contra. It doesn't matter. I just wanted to I wanted to get to the PMS joke. Um That's uh yeah. that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, this it's just a, it's another reason that this time machine is so poignant mm-hmm. because the post could never get away with anything like that now. It's amazing. Yeah. Never. Yeah. They're so PC now. Now it's just like a, more like the the new woke post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Uh yeah. So it was uh, that's so that's a, what that's, was going yeah, on. Yeah, I could read the rest of that article, but I don't. I don't think you need to hear about John Poindexter. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, the PMS joke was the most worth it for me, especially given that, uh, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't think that strategy would work. Mm. I'll say. I'll say that right now. It could. Not How do you know? We never tried it. Yeah. Well, it's like that... when Santangelo goes to consult the psychic. Like, there's got to be. <laughs> A Santangelo in the CIA who's like, have we tried women with PMS yet? (laughs) (laughs) It works accidentally. Send them to Fallujah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's what was happening at the time. Uh, Real quick, uh, this week's uh, Balmer B story uh, is, uh, I haven't done it yet, but I think it's going to be based on the to the tune of Sister Christian. Mm. So it's uh, Jimmy McNulty, oh, the time has come. And you know that you want more than one. Okay, let's play. It's only fair because your wife left you. You answered your own question. What the fuck did I do? You did too. <laughs> your motorboating. <laughs> What's your price for flight? You're pretending to fight. You'll be spot on tonight. Anyways, that's I'll probably record that at See, the end of the. Thank you. This is where the sound effect. Okay. Well. All right, I'll, I, Vince. I will get an applause, and I will just give myself applause. Thank you. The entire time. Okay. 
So let's talk about this episode. Um, general thoughts, Vince. What did you think of this episode? Uh, again, I think it's a. I think it's a great episode. It starts in a very uh, police procedural kind of way. I feel like there was a mm-hmm. lot of uh, innocent children getting caught in the gang crossfires uh, mm-hmm. in the late '90s. Um, but then they do something interesting with it and turn it into like a real story about uh, how things actually work between the cops uh, and, and the drug organizations. Um, great episode. A lot of teases for next season with Bunny Cole and uh, Colvin, Bro- Colvin, sorry, Bunny Colvin and uh, brother Muzon, who I didn't like, but I loved the introduction. I love the buildup for brother, brother Muzon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, Dave, what did you think of this episode? Well, I I I liked it. Like I said before, I wish I had picked like next episode or the mm-hmm. episode after because that's when like the juice really starts flowing. But I liked seeing Bunny Colvin also. I like seeing Bunny Colvin and Walsh kind of mm-hmm. sizing each other up after the the killing and you you know that they're like I like all those interpersonal things in yeah. the wire. We're, we're seeing how people relate. Uh I like that Stringer got pissed at Bodie. I love I love Str- Stringer and Bodie. I love yeah. Bodie, man. I love yeah. Bodie because he also was basically the same character on Oz. He yes. would like do the same spitting and the mm-hmm. same kind of stuff. Um, I love Stringer Bell and Stringer uh, and Proposition Joe them yeah. together. There's so many things, but my favorite part of this episode. I appreciate the motorboating song and the whores were, you know, very voluptuous. Yeah. And, and I think it was, it, it, was it in this episode or was it in the one before that Jimmy fucks the waitress? Uh, in the, the one, one before. before. That was the cold yeah. open, the last episode. Yeah. I loved the Jimmy fucking the waitress. I watched them both <laughs> stupidly before this podcast. But the oh, thing I loved is when, is when Proposition Joe is talking to Stringer Bell about Charlie Salas yeah, and you yeah. get into that sort of old time heroin dealing mm-hmm. Baltimore criminality. And also it reminds me of heroin, like good heroin, mm, yeah. which always feels good for me to hear about. Yeah. He's like, you know, you buy for five self for 10. Yeah. You know, I, I like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you West side, you must've heard of Charlie Salas, right? Yeah. Sold heroin like it was water. I mean, the motherfucker made himself some money. I don't know who the fuck you talking about. I know you don't. And the police don't. And the stick-up boys wouldn't have a fucking clue either. Because Charlie Salas just sold dope. No profile, no street rep. Just buy for a dollar, sell for two. Avon a soldier. You still got that connect? Right off the bowstring. I love that scene because... um you know, it has multiple reads to it, which is like one way you could read it is that prop Joe is like giving good advice. And the other read is that he's giving very self-serving advice because I think this whole, that whole storyline mm-hmm. is, is uh stringer bell as sort of like the too naive politico who like goes to Washington thinking that he can like change things. And then finding out that it actually is just about power and cutting corners and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's and violence. He's going, yeah, he's going in thinking it's about one thing, but it's it's not. It's about uh it's about the one thing that it's always about. Yeah. Well the thing about the thing about Proposition Joe though is he's a student of history and he's mm-hmm. also showing Stringer that Stringer is not a student mm-hmm. of history. Stringer is a student of business. 
Yeah. He wants to be a CEO. That's all he can't shut up about how yeah. CEOs do this and do that. And prop he's shows. a student like, of a guy don't... at a community college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but prop Joe is like, have you ever heard of this guy? And Stringer Bell's like, no. And prop Joe's like, I knew you never heard of him. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, I love Proposition Joe, man. Proposition yeah. Joe is like, is one of my all-time faves, and his connection to uh, the Greeks community is yeah. like some of the best wire stuff ever. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do love that. Like this whole time, while we're dealing with uh, Avon and Stringer. Uh, trying to find a new connection because their connection to New York, you know, dried up uh, at the end of last season, at the beginning of this season. And and now they're like getting this crap from Atlanta. It's not raw and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Prop Joe is sitting pretty with the Greek and is just like getting pure right off the boat heroin and coke. And it's just, uh, I, yeah, I love it. I love it because that is the type of person that like, the Greek would deal with. It was like, I like, uh, you're a fat wise man who fix a clock. I like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's, a, that's a thing that I like about the wire, like in miniature, because like that old salt character who gives like sage advice is sort of like a, a, a TV staple and like a, a fiction sure. staple. But I think in, in the wire, they add an element of, he might not be an old sage who's giving you advice. He might just be like a Machiavellian guy who uh, is looking out for number one, which is why he has been in the yes. game for so long. That's I, I, I was going to say, I agree with your take there completely given what, <clears throat> I mean, what happens later on, but also given the, the position that prop Joe is in, like prop Joe is really good at, at seeing that like Stringer's weakness is that he wants to be a business guy. He wants to be the, the CEO of WorldCom or whatever, you know? And he is like, yeah, yeah, I can probably convince this guy just like you, a politician would convince like a, a, a someone, you know, you know, man, I just, uh, yeah, I agree, man. Shit needs to be fair. Mm -hmm. You know, shit needs to, you know, we need to, we need to st all have healthcare or whatever. And then go turn around and just like nix every possible bill that would give anyone a little bit of help. It's like prop Joe is there going, yeah, there, I, I agree. There shouldn't be violence, man. Cause the violence brings, you know, the bodies and the bodies the brings the police. Yeah. But he's doing that, uh, no, and you know full well that, like, no, Prop Joe is, he runs the east side of Baltimore's entire dope game. There's a reason for that, and it's because there are bodies, you know? So, like, I, I, I think he is low-key manipulating Stringer into giving up territory. I mean, it's, it's a good deal for both of them in some way, but it's mostly a good deal for prop Joe. Cause he's now going to get some of their territory and, uh, and he's doing it by convincing Stringer to lay his arms down to be like, no, you know, there should be no guns. There should be no violence. Our boys will go there <laughs> and sell some drugs. And you just tell your boys to, to uh, sit back. Bottom line with the whole thing is that, Prop Joe knows he never could pull it off if Avon wasn't yes. in jail. Yes. And if Avon wasn't in jail, Avon would find the New York Connect himself. Mm -hmm. He would fucking take care of it or he'd go wherever he needs to go yes. to get the good heroin. Fucking Stringer isn't willing to make that move. Prop Joe sees the opportunity. Stringer just wants to be able to walk it in, make the money, and he he like he wants to be a businessman. Yeah. And so Prop Joe sees that opportunity that when Avon's away, 
he can claim a little bit of what Avon had built for himself. And 100%. I think that's the manipulation. And Stringer yes. Bell is a businessman in the in the sense that uh, he has an idea and he gives his underlings uh, shitty, un unapplicable like impossible to apply advice and uh thinks he's doing like he tells he tells Bodie like you need to have some flex like what the fuck does that mean you, you told us about Worldcom and the name change up right you said that it I said change the name of our product I didn't say nothing about taking people off a corner look you know the cops is gonna have to bang some heads on this one that means we gotta shut everything down until this shit passed that means the towers the low rises everything gotta take a long fucking time out this here game is more than the rep you carry, the corner you hold. You got to be fierce, I know that. But more than that, you got to show some flex. Give and take on both sides. I feel like everyone who's ever had a job has had some manager tell them, like, hey, you got to do this thing, but also this thing, and it's com- they're completely at odds and impossible to implement. But uh, yes. but that, yeah. that middle manager gets to feel like he's doing a good job by uh, like giving you this good advice. I don't know, though, because in the history of The Wire, you mm-hmm. see, like, Bodie in season one beating down the, the junkie in the yard, right. and D'Angelo's like, no. Don't beat down the junkie in the yard because you can make money from him later. And at the end of the episode, Bodie's at the end of the season, Bodie's telling someone else, no, don't right. beat up the junkie in the yard. And I think here, I, I thought it was interesting when Stringer even says that you got to show flex. I think back in the day when I watched it, I was like, is he talking about flexing or is he talking yeah. about flexibility? Yeah. And he's talking about flexibility, right. but it comes out in such a, a weird way. But Bodie, I mean, he, you have to admit, over the course of the five seasons, Bodie learns a lot of flexibility. He does. Yeah, he does. And and I, I think that, like, there is there is something to be said for, like, you know, uh, good leadership. Uh, you know, if D'Angelo was trying to, in one way, teach them, like, hey, why can't we do this and have there be no violence? But there's always, like... Um, and it's good that like Bodhi does eventually like become more calculated in his like when he's going to use violence or when he's going to like let something go. And that is an important thing. But it's just uh, it's so uh, anathema to the industry <clears throat> that it kind of bites them in the ass. And I think it's a, a it's a I think it's age. If you live long enough in the dope game eventually you get a little bit soft, I think is what ends up happening. And I think Stringer is an example of that. Uh, I think Bodhi uh, is an example of that eventually. I think Avon's an example of that. In season three, when we finally meet Marlo, we see what what trying to, uh, you know, like be the king uh means for a young guy and it's, it means yeah, it's body it's sort of the story of you know capitalism you get soft as you yeah. get further away from the gears that actually like grind you know so like the and then that's kind of the point of it is you want to get further away from the actual like point of the like the predatory work. yeah the work yes the exploitation like you're trying to insulate yourself from that so of course you're right. gonna get a little bit soft I do love uh, you were bringing up, you know, his him being this like, you know, CEO, middle manager, essentially, who now runs the company uh, while the boss is away. And one of the ways you can tell that that's the case is 
Um, Stringer insists on having many all hands meetings. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. more meetings yeah. better. More meetings, more meetings, more, need more new meetings job. better. <laughs> exactly. So he just he keeps there keeps being these moments. You see that start a scene starts with Stringer just standing and talking while all of his boys are sitting on <laughs> chairs just going. What is this fucking school? Why are we here? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. His insistence on like, let's get everyone together. And that that happens more and more uh in uh in this season and and in season three it's um it's beautiful i love i love watching stringer <laughs> trying to lead meetings because he thinks more meetings good it's like me but trying yeah. to give my graphics guy like advice on the kind of like graphic <laughs> i want to go with yeah. like an article i'm like can you do can you do this and put these people uh with this background and they're like uh, all right, let me translate this idiotic thing you just said <laughs> into an actual thing that i can do yeah, but you feel for Stringer in this episode a little bit um, because, like, so much goes wrong for him. I mean, first we have the, you know, the death of this nine-year-old, was it a nine-year-old kid? Uh-huh. Um, you yeah. know, by a stray bullet because of a corner that, um, you know, Bodhi is taking for re- for really just the reason of, like, you know, uh, prestige. Clout. Clout, you know, well, there's no... He's taking the- corner because like people are not traveling like it's like if you have a if you have a shitty restaurant and someone across the across the across town has better food than you like of course you're going to want to take over that restaurant and uh sell your food from it because you can coast on their uh on their market chair for a while no i i I get yeah i get why he's doing it but it's like you know this is a collateral to a junior college uh business Yes, uh, supply and demand. I learned that. Um, by the way, Vince, you were just saying uh, about how bad their drugs are. You know your drugs are dog shit when you only get white people who own cars as customers in the hood. Because like that, to me, I was like, it was a very small detail, but it opens with this yeah. white dude with sold a that, car. He hasn't even sold that car for drugs yet. Like you. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because like the the whole point of like having the best territory or the reason it's the best territory is because they are literally dealing to where the fiends live. Like this is the the pit. This is, these are the Franklin Towers. These are the 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 projects, and so all of the fiends are there. That's why they have uh the the best territory it's where they're at access you know your drugs are shitty when it's like all the fiends are walking two miles to get the good shit and the only customers are white people going oh, i heard that black people sell drugs here <laughs> wmd got that wmd here no, i'm looking for what you had the other day the shit right here the other day you was calling it bin Laden. yeah well now it's wmd it will mass destruct your ass so this is the high test same shit new name he says he says the whitest thing anyone ever says he says i was looking for the high test yeah. you have the high test it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> amazing like the most the most white middle-aged mm-hmm. contractor line you know yes. you know that guy's about to go like build a bathroom for somebody <laughs> and he, he just got off of oxycontin and, and now he's fucking <laughs> fucked on heroin yes. and he needs the high test he's looking yes. for the bin laden and yeah. not the what the will mass destruct or whatever. Yeah, not the WMD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that shit was that was a, a beautiful little detail. And Bodhi is like, you know, annoyed to have to explain 
the fact that they keep changing. <laughs> yes, like, it's a different label, but it's the same right. good good it's, stuff it's in like, quotes. The fact that this guy thinks this is good shit is also hilarious. Well, the, He's the, like, oh, you guys got the good shit. It's like, no, you are obviously not about that dope life. And also, like, the, the entire... Uh, purpose of changing the name was so that people wouldn't think it was the old shitty stuff. Yeah. And the first first customer they have, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, it's the same stuff. Like, just buy it, stupid." <laughs> it's the same stuff because usually that. people who are connoisseurs of heroin, unlike yourself, uh, know that this is dog shit, and we have to change the name or else they just won't buy it again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling bad for Stringer because he's also like. He, you know, after the death of this nine-year-old, um, he is telling them, like, get rid of all those guns. Um, and they they somehow fuck that up, which is like, it's not even a like, a, oh, what a dumbass. They fucked it up. It's just like, what are the chances? I mean, mm-hmm. in, in Baltimore Harbor, which... You know, if this season has taught us anything, it's that there are fewer and fewer ships there. See, they happen to land right. on the one ship that exists. To me, this is a little bit of a plot hole uh, in this mm. uh, in this episode because, like, the cops in Baltimore that I know and love from The Wire, like, if if a bag fell on their fucking barge, <laughs> I feel like yeah. they'd just be like, "Oh, look at that! Somebody threw a fucking bag on here." Like, I don't think they would immediately hey, be like, "Free guns!" Yeah, I don't think they would immediately like. So, the one thing I know about Baltimore cops from the show <laughs> is that they don't like doing extra work. And I don't yeah. know if they would immediately like pick the bag up and be like, "Ah, oh, we got a case here." True, right? Like, they'd be right. like, ah, throw it not... on the pile." I don't want to deal with that paperwork. No, but in this case, because of the death of the kid, um, all of a sudden the police are out in force. That's why we're meeting Buddy sure. Colvin for the first time. That's why Rawls is there on the scene. He's not in his office telling <laughs> people to like eat his asshole or whatever. He usually does. Like he's there. There's uh, they've been mobilized. They're going into the hood. They're going to the um, into the towers and just jacking up like civilians being like, you know, the question is though, how does Shamrock get his name of Shamrock? Don't I've you want to know I, how, I why know. he's called Shamrock? I want yeah. I mean, it's definitely he sold crack or something. Which, Maybe he liked Lucky Charms cereal. Yeah. So he became Shamrock. Like there's some weird Which Irish was connection that? there. Sh- uh, Shamrock, he's the lieutenant. Yeah, oh. he's 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 the stringers, right? He's the one who like uh, when uh, he's the one who planted the drugs on uh, okay, Tillman. Got it. Yeah, I've been wondering. He's when also his... the one. Yeah, he's the one who took notes in Stringer's meetings because he wanted to take minutes. And Stringer's like, Can "You take your minutes in a fucking drug conspiracy or whatever." Stringer yeah. says it's like yeah. Samrock is like my favorite because yeah. he's like a weird side character that you know nothing about. Yeah. He's almost competent. And yeah. his name is Shamrock. Yeah. And I yeah. just, I want to know why. Yeah. yeah like, I, it's, it's a good question. He's like he's, average corporate employee as applied to uh, the drug gangs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. But Stringer loves him. Yeah. Stringer, he goes, yo, Sham. And he calls him Sham. Yeah. And I think another interesting thing in this episode is like you have McNulty, who's English, the actor, mm-hmm. doing the fake English ac- accent. And then you have Stringer, who's English, when he's talking to the, the crew about the 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 bag of guns and he's mm-hmm. like splash he's like you yeah. don't hear the splash, splash. And he, you hear the the echo of the english accent yeah. but it's so embedded in the baltimore that it, it just flies through so perfectly you know i gotta say that the other thing i noticed about that very scene was um its similarity to um to a, a future movie 
The Departed, uh, and I have a I have a clip of that scene. That's why they be paying them fucking CEOs so much damn money. And everybody else could be ducking and hiding, doing what they fucking want to do. But when push comes to shove, I'm the one that's got to take that responsibility. And y'all are leaving me very, very little to work with right now. Hold up, sir. No, no, that's a very simple thing, my nigga, very simple. You drive the guns to the water. You look around, you ain't see anybody. You throw the guns in the water. Not where some guy from John Hancock goes every Thursday to get a fucking blowjob. Don't laugh. <laughs> this ain't reality TV. Splash. <laughs> I hate, that. I, just, I hate that fucking line this ain't reality tv what was that supposed to mean oh uh that line i he apparently uh fun fact he ad-libbed that line because mm, the actor was laughing during the the actual take and uh so they kept it in and it's the yeah. only thing that explains uh, yeah. that line. Once he re- once he reaches a certain age, you're like, ah, just let just let Nicholson let do what he wants. Fun. We're not gonna <laughs> t- we're not gonna give him notes. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Another take? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I love I love that scene so much because he's like, he's in that position where he uh, Stringer is like having to explain because there's nothing. It's the middle management position is is basically like I have to yell at you, even though this is something that is was an unforeseeable thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are the chances? I didn't that tell it's you to make sure land? you hear a sl- splash before you did it, because I, too, yes. did not foresee that. It's also like a very uh, pre-financial crisis scene where mm. where you can tell people, why do you think CEOs make so much money and not yeah. have them immediately like push back? On, on yeah. It? Yeah, that was the first thing I thought. It's like, that's why they be paying CEOs so much money. I was like, oh, is that why? So that they'll, <laughs> so if something bad they're happens. they're so good at their jobs. They're so good at their jobs. And because uh, if uh, something bad happens with the company, uh, they will face consequences. Because yeah. that's not my experience. <laughs> yeah, that's the opposite of what happened. Um, yeah. Well, that's but, string, but that's Stringer's aspiration. Sure. You know, he he says yeah. it like that because he sees himself as this person who deserves everything, yeah. and he's the only person that can get them out of it. He's the only person with a brain. But if you watch this episode, having seen it, you know, twenty times or something, mm-hmm. when he tells them to go throw, he's like, "Take this bag and go to the harbor." That's yeah. all he says. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. say throw it in the water. It's obvious, but he does not give definitive orders. No, he's yes. a he's a job creator, and he wants to get some. Uh, he wants to get some respect for that. God damn yeah. it! <laughs> um, before we continue, uh, it is uh, first incumbent on me to remind everyone out there that uh, Vince and I both have families. Uh, mm. Families who need food. Yeah. Families who, if they don't eat, they starve. Which is why. We need you to listen to these ads real quick. Um, I want you to really listen. Don't skip. Listen to them because I'm sure they're great. Some of them I've heard are in Spanish. I've, you know, nice. I, I really, I, you know, so everyone, everyone can listen and everyone can buy products. So please stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Vince. Hey, Matt. As you know, Vince, I love old internet memes. Remember the early internet's obsession with Chuck Norris jokes? I do remember that. Here's one. When Chuck Norris went to college, he told his father, now you're the man of the house. 
<laughs> why why do you bring this up? Well, I was thinking about those old memes and I started thinking, I wonder what Chuck Norris is doing right now. What has he been up to? You know, I actually know the answer to that, Matt. Yeah, I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and he still seems to have energy and health. You know, I saw the very same video events and in it he says he's even stronger, has more stamina and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. That's almost too powerful to contemplate, but yes. uh, it's true. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. Uh his wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and has energy all day. Uh, I am way younger than them, and I have energy for about two hours a day. Uh, and the problem is, is, you know, that many of us do not include fruits and vegetables and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. I love special videos, and you can watch it too by going to mymorningkick.com slash podyourself, and it may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's M-Y-M-O-R-N-I-N-G-K-I-C-K.com slash podyourself, mymorningkick.com slash podyourself. Go there now and watch this very special Chuck Norris video. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. All right. So let's talk about what is going on this episode with the detail. Um, I, I really enjoyed this episode, uh, as you could tell by the song that I did, uh, because um, the detail is finally, we're getting to the point where they have to go undercover at the cat house and... Uh, it's Jimmy's time to shine. He's in a perfect position. His wife is like, nah, you know, he's he's finally back with his boys. And he's like, all right, guys, let's fuck. And uh, God bless him because he uh, he does a great job policing in this in this episode. I really I really loved it. They uh, they have to first make sure that he um, gets in the door. And the only way to do that is to pretend to be British, which uh I have a clip of. What was your play with those girls? <clears throat> out of town salesman. How far out of town? What do you mean? Well, the further out of town, the more they believe, less like a copy sound. You do any accents? English, British, Scottish, something like that? Quirky. I was looking to get a little hanky-panky, and this one bloke gave me this number to call when I got across the pond. <laughs> Work on it, son. Work on it. <laughs> I got to say, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with McNulty, with with Dominic West doing an American guy doing a British guy. Like, that might be some of the greatest acting I've seen he on the show so far. He is the dude disguised as the dude playing... He's the dude playing <laughs> a dude disguised as another dude. That's what he is. Yeah, that's right. But very... you know English people live for American people doing English people badly. 
Yeah. Like oh, yeah, that's yeah. a great love of English people. So I'm sure any, if you grab any English person, they're going to want to do an American person doing an English person. Yes. But like when, when McNulty though, when he called the, the madam at the beginning of the yeah. show, that also didn't feel very McNulty to fuck it up that badly. Mm. Like where he's yeah. like, I'm not going to tell you where I live. And, yeah. and fucking Ke- Keem is like, you suck. Yeah. But it's like, I don't think McNulty would suck that badly. That, that seems like a little, it didn't ring true but to me. He, I think did, he, he, yeah. he made a good point when he said, I didn't expect to be interrogated. And I feel like okay. that might throw him off just enough that he's yeah. like, oh, fuck. I didn't think I had to lie. I, I think, think I just... I thought I just had to be horny. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He doesn't realize that how much artifice he has to put in. He just took it for granted that he could p- convincingly play a guy who uh, pays for sex, and then he, and <laughs> easily, the, right, yeah. right. And he's like, right. "Oh I shit!" I, and now I, I forgot I had to lie. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great because, like, in that moment, uh, I there was like part of me that you wondered if McNulty just fucked up the whole thing. You know, and you're just like, well, there goes this. And uh, and they were able to save it just by, like, calling back and being like, oh, hello, I'm a different bloke, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the previous phone call you just had. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, he saves it. And so uh, they get him ready. They get him in character. Uh, and one of the details that I love is they give him a man's purse. <laughs> yes. The uh, purse. Yeah, I, I give him a nice purse because uh, European men have purses, and because they need a place to put, I guess, uh, the bug. But I love, I love every time Bunk sees something that's like a little feminine, he immediately uh, likes to voice his disapproval. And I, I have a clip of that. The fuck is that? It's a man's purse. <laughs> European men like yourself sometimes carry one. Mm. People ain't right over there. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know about that. It's a little gig. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so then uh, McNulty gets there. Uh, they pick him up. There's all these girls out there. And um, he just has the greatest, the greatest night of police work of his life. It is w- one of those scenes where you are just like, this is so welcome back to the police force mcnulty <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i just i i love it so much because he's uh you know i, I don't know what the rules are with being an undercover you're not cop. supposed it seems to like fuck the are... prostitute that's what i, I thought it's, no, right? it's a big no-no yeah well that's the best one of the best parts of the episode is where is where jimmy's writing the thing <laughs> yeah. and bunk is standing behind him and he's like you're gonna get famous off this shit <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. like the, you're you're gonna go down in the legendary perverts hall of fame yeah. is what i think he says yeah. and like my favorite thing though because like you said a bunch of things right there my favorite thing is this season mcnulty tried to pull himself together to mm-hmm. get his wife back. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking whiskey. <laughs> I'm not I'll have a glass anybody. of wine. Yeah. I'm on the boat. I'm not fucking anybody. Then it's like relapse extraordinaire. Yes. And then and not as he only, he's back with his crew as a whore, fucking whores. <laughs> and, and him and Bunk were just great womenizers. So when Bunk gets to see Jimmy fucking two whores on the job, you yeah. see his intense jealousy, which yeah. I love so much too. He'll, yeah. he'll live. Yeah. He'll live. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's jealousy. And there was a little bit of pride there at one point when, when he goes like, would it be wrong if I had 
more than one. And, and Monk just goes, Atta boy, Jimmy. Atta boy, Jimmy. Yeah. The best. Would it be wrong to take two? Atta boy. He's happy to see that his friend is recovered. I mean, you know, in the previous episode, you know, it's the, probably the first time he's ever seen Jimmy cry when Jimmy is like, you know, if I don't have the job, then I have nothing. Uh, so he's happy that Jimmy is, uh, you know, not going to kill himself. Um, but then a uh, big mistake is made. And I think it's one of the stupid mistakes of... Uh, it's something that you see a lot with that's happening in the detail where people keep forgetting that the only reason this detail exists is because Valchek wants to punish Frank Sabatka mm -hmm. for putting in the stained glass window. It's a classic they... Pollock pissing contest, as the New York Post would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And they're, they're losing sight of that. And I mean, if you're going to be taking this whole detail on uh, under this, like, guys like then you have to at least placate the boss you have to you have to make him feel like oh yeah yeah frank is definitely a top target but also you know like we're really we're building this case on frank you just lie to him and instead of lying to him like i guess Rhonda didn't get the memo or what uh but Rhonda just tells him that's you know that it's bigger than um it's bigger than Frank Sabatka, and uh, Valchak is pissed about it. And I have a, a clip of that. What about Frank Sabatka? This is about Frank Sabatka. The case is bigger now. Look, Missy, do you have charges on Frank Sabatka? Charging Sabatka at this point would lose us the wire and a chance at the real targets. He is the real target. The real I'm target. sure if they bring you the case. You owe me on this, Irv. Sabatka. You asked for a detail, I gave you a detail. You asked for that, I gave you that. Frank Sabatka. Fucking rat fuckers, all of you. This is my case. Mine. And now you're going to tell me who the target is? Sabatka. <laughs> I, uh, I love Perlman's face in that scene because it's like, She's used to a professional world where people are not allowed to speak to each other uh, in this right. way. And the police the police department is really like this boys club. And anytime you get a, a profession that is like almost completely dominated by men, like they speak to each other in ways that uh, is not really allowed in other professions. And you can yeah, just HR see that. HR nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you can see that on her face the whole time. Like, wow, he just came in here and uh, he told you to get fucked. We, 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 we usually have to like, euphemize that a little bit where i come from yeah but i, I think that's because valchek is not respectable and no. even when frank sabatka says to valchek i remember when you were annoying the girls at the cyo dances yeah like he says to uh, we know frank or valchek is a loser yeah and, and they disrespect him over and over and over again is that actor really an actor or is he a baltimore guy he's so he's good. kind of a, he's like from I forget Philadelphia. I want to say uh, he's from nearby, but yeah, he's he's sort of an actor, but yeah, mainly he's like he's very authentic, and that's why Al he Brown. Got, yeah, Al yeah, Brown. and he just he just passed away recently, which is unfortunate because we would have loved to have him on the pod talking about Frank Tabaka. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, he's no, he's no longer with us. But yeah, he is. Uh, I I do actually think that he is a real actor. 
because he he's he's impressive on the show. He's like so, so fucking good. funny. He's so like perfect at playing this this part, which is it's it's a really hard part to play because you have to you have to be a uh, a petty piece of shit, and you have to like look small while thinking you're big. Like he's built perfectly yeah, for this role. Yeah, he looks like a little mongoose. It's amazing. Brown was a 29 year old or 29 year Air Force veteran who served two tours in Vietnam. He didn't get wow. into acting until his 50s, with his first role coming on an episode of Homicide: Life on the Street in 1995. Oh. Wow, he's I mean. Perfectly he's, cast. Yeah. He's perfect. He's so good in this role. And he's just like so good at, at being just this like little Weasley piece of shit. And uh, this this petty fucking Polish dude. I just I oh, I love him so much. And uh, yeah, they uh, they fucked it up. You know, just tell him. Just tell him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank, he's the target. Don't worry about that. We're, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, unfortunately... He does not, uh, and um, there will be some consequences for for that. Uh, I, I feel like it's all because he's not respectable. Yes. Like they they just they just look right past him. And also, the other case is so major, and his shit is so petty that yeah. they're gonna dismiss it. Well, he doesn't. Yeah. That, that's just how they have to do it. He doesn't have the guile that like Prop Joe has, where he can uh, couch his. He can couch his, right. uh, you know, things that benefit him in, uh, in in advice for other people. Like Valchek doesn't have that gear. Like he's just a petty, petty, petty man, and everybody uh, understands it. But he also yeah. doesn't really face any consequences for it because you know he did a good job at climbing the the career ladder. That's right. <laughs> All right. So now we have to get on to the last bit of uh, plot in this episode. We're talking about Nikki and Ziggy and Frank. Mm. What's going on with that? Um, this is uh, the just, exciting. Can I just say that it's it's very Please. sad that that Ziggy's duck only lasted like an episode and a half. I could have used know. like at least three more episodes of Ziggy and the duck. I know. So, at so, least so Ziggy one other and one. the duck. What's yeah. that? <laughs> At least just one more. Yeah. One more. Ziggy, I'm telling you, before we even get on to this, mm -hmm. Sabatka, like Chris Bauer, who plays Frank Sabatka, yeah. perfect. Like, this is the mm -hmm. best oh. thing I've ever seen him in. The I guy know. who plays Ziggy, it's just so good. The I guy love who him plays too. Nick, mm -hmm. yeah, the guy who plays, the, but these characters where they're so flawed mm -hmm. and so fucked. They just shine like diamonds. I in agree season. completely. Vince Mancini, on the other I hand, I think they're great in this episode. I think this is like the best <laughs> both of them have who ever. Who don't you acted. like, Vince? Who don't you like? You I don't like Nikki find... or Ziggy. Uh, I don't. Well, Ziggy is tough because Ziggy is just a very like bizarre character in general. I think that there's pushback on him because he's the annoying guy, and he's also like this sort of unicorn character that we don't like recognize as a type necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Nick, I don't know. He just like, there's just times when he's yelling at Ziggy where he feels very, uh, like after school special. Um, but yeah, I think in this, he's in this episode, I thought they were both great. Yeah. And I love Nick yeah. when he takes over the drug game and he's talking to frog in the street about <laughs> yeah. like what white people are and what black people are. Yeah. And Ziggy, Ziggy is such a classic loser who suffered from nepotism, who happens to have this gigantic penis. Uh, he, he's just a great conundrum. He's the ultimate conundrum. Yeah. Yes, and he like, is. And he's, su he's such a fuck up, and he's been disrespected for so long that he's trying all these different things to get 
his respect and, and he just can't get it. And I find him to be incredibly tragic, Ziggy. Oh, I've for sure. Been... He's tragic. And, and I, you know, where I, I land yeah. on this is that I, I don't consider either of their performances, Nikki or Ziggy to be bad uh, because I don't see them as actors playing these parts. I see them as them. And so Me because too. of that, the, the issue that I have is, um, that the characters themselves are so flawed that they that sometimes they piss me off. Like you know, Ziggy Ziggy is such a wild card, such an agent of chaos that sometimes you just you want to yell at him. Um, always, uh, always. But but Vince, you made a, a very good point. I think on the last episode, which was that Ziggy is exactly like where he needs to be like where he belongs where he shines is in the bar mm -hmm. and uh That's and his place. yes and this scene is is no different uh, um in th this episode is no different in that like there's a scene where new charles finally comes back after having his leg crushed and cut off fuck if i wouldn't give my right leg for a shot in the beer new charles in the house what's with the duck <laughs> thanks eh? Charlie. Thing is, you know you gotta let go of your name. Say what? Yeah, do Charles don't work no more for a one-legged fuck. <laughs> yeah, maybe stop. New Peggy. Hey, <laughs> how about Tilt? Tilt? <laughs> I like that. Tilt. <laughs> and uh, Ziggy is just, uh, he's there with his duck. He's having a good time. Uh, people are laughing like they love it. They yeah, love Ziggy coming his, in with this I think this a duck. big part of his character is he wants to have the social status that he has in the bar everywhere yeah. else. And he can't figure yeah. out how to apply uh, the things that make him like a great bar fly uh, right. to, you know, like a career or having a purpose in life. Yeah. And it's Ziggy so... is a classic alcoholic. He's a classic <laughs> yeah. pre-sobriety yeah. alcoholic in yes. every sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like him, you know, the, the fact that you're you you wonder what his motivations are uh throughout the season because you're just like okay it's not about the money it's not i guess it's also about respect but also like like why is he getting a duck and you realize like when his when his uh father asked him like what are you about and uh he's you know like what 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 were you doing burning that 100 dollar bill to smoke a cigarette and he goes, oh, it's just a smile. Mm -hmm. And you realize, like, oh, that's like he's just wants he just wants to be a fun guy at the bar. Like that's all he wants. That's why he that's why he will spend his money on buying a duck and then giving it a diamond collar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that because that would be funny to the people at the bar. And it was. Yeah, because wouldn't it be sick if I had a duck <laughs> with a diamond? Like that that is that's the whole thing. The the problem is is that he's surrounded by people who don't necessarily have his best intentions at heart, <laughs> nor his ducks, and um and that all catches up to him and I have a clip. Hey Zig, your duck won't touch that Pikesville rock. Right? Uh, he drinks mid shelf. He don't like that rail shit. <laughs> hey fuck nuts. What the fuck is wrong with you? What's up with my cousin? Don't even talk to me about that asshole. Drank himself to death. Oh, shit. What kind of fool would give a duck whiskey anyhow? <laughs> that boy oh. ain't right. This fucking bird couldn't hold liquor for shit. No, 
these are guys who have been egging on his duck drinking. They've been they've wanted him to drink all the whiskey, the top shelf, the bottom shelf, the mid shelf. And then when it dies, they're just like, what's wrong with this fucking kid? Like no one wants the funny guy at the bar to actually get his life together. The whole reason he's a fun guy at the bar is because he doesn't have his life together. Yes, yeah, I know, but it's no. It, the real yeah. reason, the real reason he's a fun guy at the bar is because he makes the rest of them look good. Yes, because he's yes. the biggest fuck up yes. at the bar. And when he really fucks up, they turn on him. Fucking Dolores, that <laughs> asshole. After she's buying the whole bar, fucking drinks from him. She like raised Ziggy. You know, she like used to give him snacks after school, and now she's like that asshole. And she knows him better than anybody. I feel like they really turn on Ziggy. Ziggy yeah. breaks my fucking heart when you say. Why did what are you about? And he says a smile. That's mm. some fucking desperately sad shit. It yes. breaks my heart. It's it's incredibly sad. And it's like you just see the tragedy of Ziggy Sabatka unfolding in this episode, and there's hints of where it's all going. So he is uh simultaneously creating this plan with Johnny 50 um, to uh, steal some cars and uh, and sell them to Double G, um, who uh, also bought the cameras. But he's doing it on his own. He is no, no Nicky involved. It's just going to be him and Johnny 50 and Double G. And um, you can you can see that trouble is a brewing because number one um double g is thinks you're a fucking idiot mm -hmm. and if you don't think this guy is going to try to fuck you over somehow you're you you are a fucking idiot but then when he's after his duck dies he's at the uh the pawn shop and he's selling his the diamond collar <laughs> and the guy goes you put this on a duck <laughs> and he goes of course you hung this on a duck of course <laughs> um, but then he's like looking at a gun, uh, in the, like in a glass casing and you're like, all oh, this bad, this is, this <laughs> yeah, is going to go, go well, terribly, terribly wrong. Because again, you know, Nikki or Ziggy's whole thing has been, you know, his biggest problem has been, he wants to do all this gangster shit. He wants respect, but he has no muscle. He has no like people backing him up. Even his cousin is just like. Just don't get involved, man. I don't want to have to defend you. It's like, it's not worth it to be in a gang with you if you're always going to get in trouble with people, you know? And uh, so Ziggy is realizing that one of the answers to his not having a muscle problem is going to be owning a gun. And that's not going to go well. Um, I like when he's talking about uh, how they're going to put the the wood out there to drive the cars off the lot. And the other guy's like, mm -hmm. why the Mercedes, can we just drive them this way? And he's like, why don't we do that? And he's like, cause that's not the plan. Yeah. Cause that he's ain't got, the plan. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> that ain't the plan. But his plan he, is good. Yeah. His plan, like his plan is geared around having like a cool story to tell more than anything else. And he doesn't want, he doesn't want yeah. someone to like come in and make it less, uh, like less cinematic. No, no, no. His plan is to make it so it's not looking like the dock workers did it. Mm, that yes. was his plan. So it yeah. looked like an outside job. Uh, yeah, that was the whole okay. plan. All right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's why he's doing it. Um, and uh, him not explaining that, I think, definitely f makes it a little bit more confusing. But uh, yes, that's right. He is trying to make it not look like he's the one who did it. That's why they're going to be smashing the sunroofs of these things, too, and getting some glass on the floor, making it look like a smash grab job by some outside force. Meanwhile, meanwhile, um, Nikki, you know, he's got yeah. a, 
he's got to go have this thing with white Mike. Uh, and it's just, it really shows the variety of white guys with tattoos on the back of their necks, uh, in Baltimore at the time. (laughs) That was the lower back tramp stamp for men of the early two thousands. Yeah. It was just like, you know, it'd be cool. Fucking a triple X tattoo on the back of my neck. And it's like, no, it wouldn't be cool. Well, doesn't Nikki, Nikki has the pie symbol, right? Yeah. Like a math, math genius in high school. Yes, the pie pies of vodka. Yeah. Ugh, That's God, also yeah. how uh, the gang gets caught in the town is uh, Jeremy Renner's mm. character has a fucking uh, shamrock on the back of his neck that he can't cover up when they're doing a job. Ugh, just uh, an embarrassing tattoo choice. I mean, it's like, I think we're probably all going to look back at like this era of uh, tattoos and be like, well, I guess face tattoos were worse, but at least face tattoos have some balls. You know what I mean? Like that that's like there there's balls there. It's really you're saying fuck you society. Yeah. I'm you know? never going to yes. get a real job. I'm never getting a real job. I am only ever going to be a rapper. And like you know, it's a big it's a gamble, but sometimes it pays off, you know, vis-a-vis Post Malone. But uh <laughs> Sometimes it does. Fast forward 20 years where somebody with a face tattoo is checking you out of Stop and Shop. You know? yeah. and he he yeah. made the move, but it, it, you, know, you had to hire him eventually. He once had you, to get the job. Once you get into your post post Malone phase, that's going to be trouble. <laughs> oh, stupid. Very good. Uh, but uh, yeah, just to round this all out, um, Nikki, yeah, he meets with my uh, white Mike, uh, uh, white Mike, and then um, talks to Sergey. And uh, about a murder, and Sergey points out that, uh, you know, if he had hands and a face, then it wasn't us, which is going to come back around later. Sergey, what up, dog? I got a friend of yours here who says we're giving G's a four. Yeah? All right. All right, fuck it. Yeah, it's fine. Yo, another thing. I want to know it wasn't your people dropped that body over on Poteet Street the other night, you know? Did he have hands? Did he have a face? Yes? Then it wasn't us. <laughs> we also find out that the Greek has an inside man in the fucking FBI. Yeah, who's this uh, crooked ass San Diego guy? Yeah, dude. Uh what's his name? Like like Agent Cloutus or something. Um Gleekus. Gleekus. No, no, no. Gleekus yeah. is double G. It's double G. Yeah. It, it's, he's oh, it's something it's a it's another Greek name. Though. Yeah, it's another it's another it's another Greek name. Uh yeah, Kutris. Kutris. Ernest Kutris, who after yes. getting a call from Fitz, uh immediately warns uh uh the Greek and the Greek. in return gets uh Kutris some uh some dirt on the Colombians who fucked them over like fucked the Greeks over this like deal for chemicals and basically it's just like a little bit you you see a little bit of the gangster shit happening and one of the things I like about the wire is that they could easily just make it a show about cool, cool ethnic whites sitting at a table, soprano style, you know, and just being like, eh, we're doing it. We got to fight the Colombians because the FBI. But instead, it's mostly just about um, how uh, Irish people are deeply flawed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the, it, it's it, it was like a cool little insight into what a show about the Greek would be with them having the like sitting around and eating and talking about you know fucking listening over to the, greek music and listening stuff. To greek music fucking over the colombians all that stuff um and uh yeah 
that is what happened in the episode. Uh, is there f- favorite scene, least favorite scene, or scene that we missed? Anyone have something we missed that they love? The, I mean, the, the the crack, the coke as paint was cool. You know, yeah. like, that he's looking for the coke, and it turns out that they had, the whole pigments was the coke. That was yeah. fun. No, that was great. Uh, you know, God damn. Oh, wouldn't that be? Anyways, <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, Coke was never my thing, but uh, I there's always been the dream in the back of my head has always been like one day you like run into a uh, a Walgreens truck that fell down and it's just all of the morphine is there and you just go. I no, guess the lost I, when I Charlie on Lost finds the 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 heroin yes. and all the that's my dream. That yes. was my. That was my ultimate dream. But my favorite scene of this whole episode is where he says that fucking bird couldn't hold liquor for shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's by far my favorite moment. It's it's perfect. Um, so if I had to rate this episode with a letter grade, and I do, um, I think I would give it a solid B+. Vince, what would you give this episode if you had to rate it? Oh, tough one. But yeah, I'm going to go solid B+. Also. All right. And Dave, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, let's say between... B plus and B plus, what would you give it? Well, it's funny you should ask me that because I would totally have given it a B plus even without those parameters. Mm. All right. All right. Well, it looks like it's a, a B plus episode of The Wire and an A plus episode of Pod Yourself The Wire. David Mannheim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure. So much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you? Oh, just if you if you're interested in drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, just Google Dopey Podcast and and you'll find me. Absolutely, check it out, Dopey Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Once again, Dave, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thank you, it was so fun. Hell yeah! There we go. <laughs> All right. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, we have four shout outs this week. These are four people that you need to give a street name to. Uh, These are all going to be fire. I'm just warning you. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for them. I'm sure they will be great. Um, One of them is someone who mentioned in a comment that they paid $8 and I think they said they didn't get a nickname and it might have been because. Um, they were th- because we were afraid of how to pronounce their name because their name is uh, Mike Nickus mm. yeah. and I I think I, I'm not sure but I think what they were saying is it sounds like my n-word I I, I, I don't know <laughs> but I was just like okay we'll give you the name but we're not gonna give you that one um, but yes Mike Nickus yeah we call this guy the Greek aka uh, five cent. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay, next is Baltimore Matt. That's the name <laughs> already. Yeah, we, I mean, so, this guy's already got a nickname, uh, but I'm just going to pretend he's just a guy named Matt from Baltimore. We're going to call him Krabby. He's always, uh, you know, he's, he's fishing out there in the Chesapeake. Okay, I like it. Next is Kit Roosh. Night Rider. Easy. Easy. That's beautiful. Uh, and finally, Daniel Arthur. A lot of a lot of ways to go with this one. Um, I'm gonna call this guy Excalibur because that's the sword that he wields, King Arthur. Yeah, I like it. I, went, I like uh, it. Those are taking it back to the you, round table. Weirdly enough, those are all actually fire nicknames. You I said told it you. facetiously. I called my shot like Babe Ruth. You did. Pointed and, over the uh, center field wall, and I just I hit dingers. 
Yeah. You think, did he ever like call a shot and was just like, and it's going to hit that woman's titties? <laughs> he seems like he would say that. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Well, anyways, patreon.com slash broadcast, $8 tier. Get your shout out immediately or just, you know, subscribe so that you can get uh, your weekly broadcast episode where me and Vince talk about other things like movies and the internet and junk. You should uh, uh, you should look up what Babe Ruth's nickname was before it was Babe. And then you're like, well, now I understand why he went by Babe. Wait, why? What was it? Hold on. Babe, you want me to look it up? I'm going to sure, look it I mean, up. Sure, I mean, yeah. Babe Ruth. You can do it now or on your own time either way. You can just no, re- do it. First react nickname. To it, react to it live. I like it. I like okay. It. First nickname. Uh, uh Dunn's baby? No. Oh, okay. Hold on. Uh hold on. hold on. I'll send it to you. The Bambino, Sultan of Swat. I know these. Uh oh, oh you're sending it to me? Uh-huh. Is it in the chat? Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're going to just real quick. <laughs> Today I learned. <laughs> oh, no. God damn it. This, uh, well, you know, they were not very PC back in the. Holy in the shit. Teens. They called him a slur uh, regarding his uh, lips. Um, I'm glad it turned into babe, although it would be. Very interesting to have a candy bar out there called this. Uh, but everyone on your own, Google it and, um, you know, have fun. Uh, at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. We, gotta, we really got to do that mailbag episode soon. Yes. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, please send in your mailbags. Uh, uh, now because uh, in the next couple of weeks we will be doing a mailbag episode broadcast at gmail.com send your questions send your comments and your concerns or leave that voicemail you know and uh, you know ask whatever question just you know whatever you want to say send it ask yeah. some questions you can also we'll just, answer it you can email us at broadcast at gmail.com and send us like a voice memo if that's easy yeah Please feel free to do that because uh, that the, you know the mailbag episode's coming up and it's gonna be great. All right, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not miss. All right, I'm going to warn you right up top. Uh, there's a lot of autotune, okay? There's a, uh, I have a short amount of time to do these things, and uh, I don't have time for a million takes. So, uh, yeah. Jim McNulty all the time. Come and you know that you want more than one lady. Okay, it's only fair because your wife left you. You answered your catchphrase. What the fuck did I do? You did too. Two ladies. so fucking hard. This is a good ass song, bro. Hell yeah. You're motorboating ladies of the night. You're pretending to fight. You'll be spot on tonight. 
should be obvious that it's a Christian song, but for a long time, I thought it was just about fucking. It seems like a song about fucking. But I was reading the lyrics to do this, and I was like, wait a second, is this about chastity? What the fuck? Weird. Okay. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.